cross this morning? Did anybody enter his gates with thanksgiving today? Praise the Lord. Man, we're so glad to see you in the house of God. Thank you, Jane. So glad to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Grab your Bibles. Today is one of the highlights, highlights of our year. We do this multiple times throughout the year. Today is Baptism Sunday. Amen. And if you've never been a part of a baptism at Judah, you might as well leave between now and the second, the third service, get you a cup of coffee, grab you a biscuit, come on back because it is buck wild. Now, some of y'all, y'all from the north, y'all don't know what buck wild is. But that's when a male deer goes into heat one time a year. That's what that means, buck wild. Right? Hallelujah. Don't, if you don't know what being in heat means, stay after class and I'll explain it to you. See, when a man loves a woman, <laughs> I'm just teasing. And uh, it, it, is, it is an absolute party, a celebration. It is not some form. We celebrate resurrection after resurrection after resurrection. Um, it has never failed that in our baptism services, we start out with a certain number. By the time it's over with, we, Lord, there's all kinds of people jumping in the pool. Hallelujah, because of what God is doing in their life. We watch people get healed. We watch marriages get restored. We watch people be set free. Come on. As, as I'm, you understand, like, it's just a powerful, powerful thing. And, and I'm going to ask you to do me a favor. I, can't, I don't know that I'll be able to say this in the next service. But the first lady we're baptizing uh, at the 1130 service, she is, how do I say this? She is on the brink of being healed of cancer. Do you feel what I'm saying? The doctor's report hasn't come into alignment with the word of the Lord yet. But we call those things which aren't. He sent his word and healed. You understand? If Naaman the leper can, then he can handle cancer. And so that will be the first, the first lady we're baptizing. We're just believing that God's going to do a supernatural thing. Amen? Amen? Amen. So that's at the 11:30. I just encourage you to go get you a cup of coffee, grab you a biscuit, come on back. Now I'm gonna let you know you have to stand up against the wall because it's usually packed wall to wall in here when we have our baptisms because it's it's just buck wild. It is bananas what God is does. Um, and full transparency, after this word today, you may need to get in the water yourself. At the 8:30, uh, you have the time to drive back home and um, you know get you a change of clothes at the 10 o'clock. And even at the 11.30, we've seen so many people, all it cost them, their deliverance, all it cost their de them to walk in deliverance was a wet ride home. Do you understand? It just cost them a wet ride home. What if I told you that the breakthrough you've been waiting for, all it would cost you is a wet ride home? You understand? That's, that's, that's how good God is. I, I want to preach to you today. Um, grab your Bibles. And just, just live in the Gospel of Luke. The Gospel of Luke. Um, yeah, Luke 17. Luke 17 is probably where you ought to just live in this text. We are in this series entitled The Ecclesia. Last Sunday we talked about the keys of the kingdom. And I have seven keys that, that I felt prompted of the Lord to walk through. We got to one. So I just went ahead and prepared that we're just going to do one today too. Amen. And so I, I want to preach to you on, on a, kingdom, a kingdom key today. And just by the way of introduction, 
Uh, last Sunday was a powerful Sunday. We watched God do some significant things, and um, it was filled with revelation and deliverances. And, and we're going we're gonna to walk this thing out over the next few weeks. I, I had planned to preach the keys of the kingdom in one Sunday, and we're just going to let the Holy Spirit do what he's going to do. And, um, and I feel prompted that, that today we're just going to deal with one specific key, and I believe it's going to be revelation for us. By way of introduction, Matthew chapter, the gospel of Matthew chapter 16. Upon this rock I will build my ecclesia, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Verse 19, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. So it's not the keys to the kingdom. You don't get to have the keys to the kingdom and then walk around like you're in charge. But these are the keys of the kingdom. And if you know what, key, plural, it's not a key to the kingdom. It's the keys of the kingdom. And whatever you lock is locked. And whatever you loose is loosed. And most often, if you lock something, you're loosing something. And if you're loosing something, you're binding something. Whatever you bind is bound, and whatever you loose is loosed. It's the keys of the kingdom. One of the struggles I had all throughout my, my relationship with the Lord early on in my immature, more immature years is religion, religion at its core equals Christianity plus rules. While the kingdom equals citizenship plus the rights of said citizen. That if you and I will stop trying to live according to rules and start living according to the rights afforded to us. To be the sons and the daughters of God. We live according to the rights of the kingdom, not the rules of Christianity. And if you find your life unfulfilled, if you find your relationship with God fruitless, it's because you may be trying to fulfill rules, not walking in the rights afforded to you. The Gospel of Matthew chapter 16 tells us, Jesus is saying this, that until the, the law and the prophets were until the days of John, but the good news of the kingdom of God has been proclaimed, and everyone is forcing their way into the kingdom. When you understand the principles of the kingdom are rooted in your citizenship because of what Jesus did, and then the rights that are afforded to said citizen, you will force your way into it. But isn't it interesting that the churches of America are dying, but the kingdom is still being expanded? Because many people are trying to get to church to get to heaven. You can't get to church to get to heaven. You have to get to Jesus to get to heaven. And not only wait till heaven, you get to heaven, but you, if you understand the power of the kingdom, you can allow heaven to come to you. Okay. Gospel of Matthew chapter 16, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom. These keys represent, they represent power, they represent authority, they represent access. It's the keys, plural, the keys of the kingdom. Last Sunday we talked about the Thanksgiving key, and it's been interesting, the testimonies all throughout the week that I found. We, we, had, we had people gather together for a Thanksgiving meal this week. They brought me some turkey, y'all. I felt like a cannibal. Some of y'all didn't get that joke, but that's all right. You get it on the way home. I, and they, they, brought, they brought me some turkey, hallelujah. And I thank God for that dressing, and I thank God for that rice and brown gravy. I thank God for them collard greens. So some of y'all from the north, y'all don't know. But for all of those of us who have tasted and seen how good the Lord is. Glory to God. Uh, crazy testimonies. And, and I just encourage you to go back and watch and listen. If you find yourself disenfranchised and frustrated with what this thing called church is, you've been introduced to church, you have no idea what the kingdom is. God's called us to be a kingdom-minded people. 
was processing this conversation, this, this, this vein that the Holy Spirit has taken us in over the, over the past few days. And what I really believe is that the church, this generation of church has done a great disservice to the kingdom citizens. Because what we've done is we've told you that praise fixes everything. We've told you that you can praise your way out. We've told you that you can shout your way out. We told you that no matter what the situation is, that the only key you really need is the key of praise. And listen, our name is Judah. And Judah means, and I'm all about praise, but these kingdom keys, I'm not going to talk about praise in this series. I'll do it at the end of the year as we move into our new building. There's hopefully be breaking ground in the next two weeks in Jesus' name. Okay. I'll talk about who our identity is as a praiser when we start walking into that new territory. Let me just say that when we get into the new building, we're not finished. We're just getting started. Do you understand what I'm saying? We're just getting started. That is not the culmination of what God has done. That is just the first fruits of what God is about to release. But we've told people in church, we've taught this generation in church that if you just know how to praise, that praise will fix all your problems. Listen to me. Praise is not the only key. And hear me, praise is not the master key. There is a master key. I'll deal with that at the end of this series. But praise is not the master key. Praise doesn't fix everything. Let me prove it to you very naturally, that you come down and you're going through great warfare, you're going through great struggle, you've got great issues going on in your house, and you shout and you dance and you run and you do all the screaming and we have Jericho marches, and isn't it interesting that it still doesn't fix what's going on at home? Because praise is not the master key to fix all your problems. We've taught you that, but that's wrong. It's the keys of the kingdom. And I want to deal with a very significant key today to the degree that I may not even finish this one sermon. And I could not add another key to this. I may be able to in the next few weeks. But I want to talk about the key of forgiveness. F forgiveness is a kingdom key. Now, we want to talk about shouting and dancing and running, but forgiveness, there are some things that will never be unlocked until you use the key of forgiveness. There will be some things that will never be loosed in your life until you operate and function with the key of forgiveness. Can I preach this thing this morning? Okay. So let me just define forgiveness on its offset. Forgiveness, watch this, is the conscious decision to release someone from the wrong they committed against you. Come on. It, it's, 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 come on. It, it's, it's the intentional conscious decision to release somebody from the wrong that they committed against you. It, it is the intentional decision. To, um, the, the word forgiveness, it means literally to, scripturally, it means to throw it off of you. To lay it down. When, when I forgive, come here Vince. When I forgive, see Vince is an employee. 
He, he's a fellow laborer in my, in my job. When, when I know that Vince has committed a wrong against me, there is now this thing between me and him that has tied me to him. Michael, come here. Michael's my brother. Come here. It's tied me to him, and it's tied him to me. And in order for me to walk in freedom, come on, in order for me to walk in freedom, Tim, come here for a second. I'm tied to it, and it's tied to him. Just back all the way up. Come here, grab the next one. Uh, come here, Antoine. Actually, stay right there. Renee, come here, come here, come here. I'm tied to it, and it's tied to me. In order for us to walk in forgiveness, I have to address the issue. Because until I address the issue, okay, so where's the blessing? All right, you ready? In the book of Malachi chapter 3, bring all the tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now test me now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and see if I will not open up for you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there will not be room enough to receive. What does that have to do with forgiveness? How many of you want a blessing? I'm talking about where the window of heaven is opened up and you are walking in such blessing that you just, there's not enough room in your hands to receive it. There's not enough room in your marriage to receive it. There's not enough room in your family to receive it. There's not enough room in your car to receive it. There's not enough room in your house to receive it. You just stand right there. And, and Troy, come over stand right here. There, there's not, but watch this. I want the blessing. I want the blessing. You're going to be the other one for me. I want the blessing. I want the fullness and the fruitfulness of the blessing. But it's not just contingent upon my tithing. Let me show it to you in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 5. Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has an issue. Look at what he says. Leave your offering at the altar and go be reconciled to your brother. And then come back and offer. In other words, he will not receive, y'all pull that kind of tight for me. He will not receive my offering. Therefore, I cannot receive my window because I don't have the hands to receive it because I'm so busy being tied to all of the people that have done me wrong. So God's not going to waste anything. So he keeps the window bound because he knows I'm already bound. So when I'm bound, oh God have mercy. So when I'm bound to this, I cannot lose that. So I come and I bring my tithes and I bring my offering, but I never see the bountiful blessing be released into my life. It is not because I did not tithe. It is not because I did not give. It is not because I did not sow. It is because I have a spirit of unforgiveness and I'm so tied to all of these things that God can't trust me to hold the next.
there's this thread of unforgiveness that ties me to them and ties them to me. They could be all the way over there, but because we are connected, you know all that Tim would have to do is put a styrofoam cup over there and a styrofoam cup here, and we can play this thing called. And I can hear everything through the vibration of the offense that he's saying to me. Y'all, you hear what I'm saying today? Yeah. But I can only hear him through the vibration of the offense because I've not forgiven him. I've not released him from what he did to me even if it was when I was seven years old. Okay. So, so now let me give you a text. That Full transparency. I don't know that I have ever heard this text taken in any service I've ever been in in 47 years. Full transparency. Listen to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 17. Then Jesus said to his disciples, It is impossible that no offenses should come. Let me help everybody. There will always be an opportunity to be offended. It is impossible to live this life void of offenses. Of being wrong. Watch this. But woe to him who through them they come. Let, let me help everybody. Offenses come. Stay at your job long, job long enough. Offenses come. Stay in your marriage long enough. Offenses come. Hang out with your kids. Let your kids get old enough. And offenses come. Be a kid long enough. And offenses come. Stay at a church long enough. And offenses come. Be in your neighborhood long enough. And offenses come. Live long enough. Hang out at Starbucks long enough. And offenses come. There is no life, even if you're in Christ, that is void of the opportunity to be offended. This is Jesus talking. The key is, what do I do with this offense that determines the level of blessing that I'm able to receive? And just in case you think this is about just being offended, let me remind you that the Bible says to the offender, woe to you. For the abuser, for the one that has neglected, for the one that has violated the trust, for the one that has broken the covenant, Jesus said, woe to you. I'm going to deal with you myself. You ain't got to worry about what you did to me. You better worry about the fact that I belong to him and my father's going to reconcile. My father's going to, 
See, I don't have to have vengeance because the vengeance belongs to the Lord. I don't have to keep the score because God is the reconciler of all. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I, I don't have time. Listen, I don't have the energy to wonder what's going on with you and what's happening behind closed doors. I don't have the energy to try to figure out how you're working it and trying to manipulate it. I don't have the energy. I'm so focused on making sure that I'm ready to receive the blessings of God in my life that I got to make sure I release you so that I can walk in what God has for me. Watch this. For, for the offender, it would be better for him to have a millstone tied around his neck, hold this, and thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. If you represent my father, it would be better for you to go take a millstone, tie it around your neck, and throw yourself into Lake Wiley than to damage me in my childhood. It would be better for you, bone of my, my brother, to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into Lake Wallace, because we're from the Lauren Bird, hallelujah, into Lake Wallace. I could have said Booger Beach, the Bayfield, but, but people wouldn't understand what that is. Yeah. Then for you to come in and offend me, it would be better for you as a fellow employee. To not offend, you should just go to Lake Norman, rent yourself a boat, fish for a little bit, and then swim with them. You understand? <laughs> then to wound me. Watch this. It's better for you to do that to yourself than anything that I could do to you. Because my father is going to handle this business. The offender is setting themselves up to drown in their own chaos. And God is the one that's going to watch it happen. I don't have to watch it. Because my father's going to handle that. I don't have to see on Instagram or Facebook or Snapchat or whatever you're doing. I don't have to check to see what you're faking. Because little by little, that gold chain will become the thing God puts the millstone on. And I'm going to let him do it whenever he's ready to do it. So verse 3, so take heed for yourself. Okay, here we, we're back to me now. Take heed for yourself. In other words, I can't be blindsided to think that all of these people are for me and are never going to wound me. Go ahead, pull that title a little bit. I, I can't I take heed for myself. I, I don't even need the spiritual gift of discernment. I have to just take heed for myself. Now, I'm going to be in this marriage, and she's going to break my heart. She may not cheat on me, but listen, I've lived in a marriage for 25 years. There are still opportunities for me to be offended, whether she cheated on me or not. 
there's still opportunities for her to be offended and to be bitter and hold resentment against me because of wrongdoings that I did. Sins against you, rebuke him. Okay. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. Let me mess with this for a minute. Are we okay? Okay. <laughs> rebuke him. In other words, you got to talk about it. You got to get it out. Because you will never be free from it pretending it doesn't exist. Re rebuke him. Re that word rebuke doesn't mean now, now listen. That means, let me tell you something. Okay, I'm not, the scriptures are not telling you to be some little flower, wimpy, pamby, little sissy. As a matter of fact, I believe that God gifts us with the ability to get angry. Because angry will, anger will energize you. Anger will make you creative. Anger will get your blood pumping. Anger will release your endorphins. Okay, maybe y'all don't know. But, but for me, I'm telling you, the older I get, the easier it is for me to get angry. I used to choke everything down like vomit, but I, no, God have mercy. I, my, my, mm -hmm. I'm going to listen to this message myself. You understand? I, I remember my son came home from college for the very first time. And he came in, he left his, he treated his room like he was at his dorm room. He treated his bathroom like he was at his dorm room. He treated his car, let me say that another way, he treated my room that I let him stay in as his dorm room. He treated my room, my bathroom that I paid for every bit of the plumbing for like it was his dorm room. He treated the car I bought him like it was his dorm room. And I said to him, son, after about 15 minutes, I said, son, let me tell you something. You're not going to be sorry in this house and happy at the same time. Do you hear what I'm saying? You can be sorry, but you ain't going to be happy. But if you want to be happy, you best not be sorry. I don't care this is how you live. This is not the way you're going to live in my house. As for me and my house, we're going to clean this mess up. You understand? And if you're too big for your proverbial bit, oh, God have mercy, for your proverbial britches, then you can pack up your stuff that you didn't pay for and you can hop in that car that I still pay for and you can go right back to school and eat that nasty stuff in the cafeteria if you want to. And I'm angry. Listen, Jesus did not say, in the, God did not tell us in the book of Ephesians through Paul to be angry, to not be angry. He said in Ephesians chapter 4, to be angry and sin not. To be ang I'm angry enough to kill you and make another one just like you. But I'm not going to sin by killing you. Okay, uh, maybe y'all can't handle this. This is a real conversation. I'm angry enough to walk out of here and never come back into this marriage again. But I can't sin. So, so you're not going to be intimate with me. Well, fine. I'll, I, I may want to drive down the road to go to the strip club. I could be angry enough to leave the house, but I can't sin. Because the moment I sin, I'm sinning against God, not her. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. You understand what I'm saying? Be angry, but sin not. 
And then, and listen, and then you can be as mad as you want to. You can be as angry as you want to at 10 o'clock in the morning. At 11 o'clock in the morning, at 12 o'clock, at 1 p.m., at 2 p.m., at 3 p.m. You can be as mad as you want to at me the rest of this afternoon. But the Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter 4, do not let the sun go down. Listen to me. The sun sets at 6.23 p.m. today. You could be mad all the way until 6.22. But at 6.23, I got to let that thing go. I, listen, because I can't afford for that thing to climb into bed with me. I can't afford for that thing to take root in me. I can't afford to let that thing begin to fester in me. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. I can't let the sun go down on my anger. I can be angry and I don't have to sin. And I can be angry and not allow it to get in my bed. Okay. It, it, come, come here, Michael. Just start punching me in my shoulder. Be careful now. Just, just, I mean, you can move me. There, there, what, what are you talking about? There's an issue between me and my brother. No, there ain't nothing going on. I'm good. I'm good. No, it's fine. Everything's good. Everything's good. We're good. We just, we're worshiping. Praising the Lord, I'm just honoring God. Okay, start to get on my nerves. <laughs> but watch this. He's never going to stop. Because what I tolerate will continue. Do you hear what I'm saying? Okay, you can stop. It's only until I break the cycle that I can address the issue. I'm trying to help somebody. It's, it's forgiveness. I, I, I can't pretend there's not an issue there because I will let that thing live in me and then it will climb in bed with me and then it will take root in me and then it will produce a harvest in me. Okay. All right. Verse 5. I love this. And the apostles said to the Lord, oh wait, wait go, back, go back to four for me, I'm sorry Nick, I didn't even finish it. If he repents, release him. Release him. If they come and go, you know what, you're right, I was wrong, release him. Look at this. And if he sins against you seven times in a day. I forgive you for punching me. Okay, okay, okay. Stop punching me. I forgive you. Seven times in a day. And then we come back. That's Monday morning. And I come back. He starts swinging on me at Tuesday morning. And then Wednesday morning. And then third. In a day returns to you saying, I repent, you let him go. Rele throw it away. Throw it off of you. In other words, do not allow yourself to be tied to it. 
Look at what the apostle said. And the apostle said, verse 5, and the apostle said, <laughs> you're going to have to increase my faith. <laughs> now, there's some of you that are so holy, you glow in the dark. But for others of us, you go, like, I only got four cheeks. Do you understand? By the fifth swing, it's on like Donkey Kong. You understand? I'm going to turn this cheek, then I'm going to turn this cheek, then I'm going to turn this cheek, and I'm going to turn this and then I'm going to knock you. For me, I'm a, some of y'all, blocker, 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 a bus a cap. I ain't going to kill you, I'm going to shoot you in your kneecap. So you limp the rest of your life, remembering, don't ever swing on him again. It was the apostles, the most spiritual ones, the world changers, going, you want me to forgive all that? You're going to have to increase my faith. Verse 6, and he said, for if you have the faith of a mustard seed. Now, most of you, when you hear mustard seed faith, you think, speak to this mountain and tell it to be removed. Look at the text. If you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it will obey you. In other words, forgiveness grabs the root of offense, which is bitterness, which is anger, which is resentment, and it grabs it and it pulls it up by the roots and throws it into the sea. I'll just remind you that the Gospel of Matthew chapter 18 says you're to forgive 70 times 7 a day. The reason I do it is because I have to be free from this. Because I cannot receive the windows of heaven blessing that God wants to pour out because, watch this, I'm tied to all of them by the roots of unforgiveness in me. Okay. So, okay, well, I don't like that scripture. Fine, let's go to another one. How many of you, how many of you by show of hands, have ever prayed the Lord's Prayer? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Give us this daily bread. Oh. And forgive us. As we forgive others. We've been praying a prayer saying, God, only allow me to walk into the forgiveness on the level I have allowed others to walk in mine. Forgive us our trespasses. I'm a King James boy. As we forgive those who are trespassed against us. I am not praying saying, God, get them. I'm praying saying, God, get me to the level I have gotten them. What I love about this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, right? Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Look at the next verse. 
He says, amen. Now, let me qualify something. He finishes his prayer and then gives them an explanation about forgiveness. Out of everything else he said, he knew they didn't get past that. Look at it. He's like, I know you didn't get past that, so let me just go ahead. Amen. There you go, God. Now, let me tell you something. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you yours. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, the Father will neither forgive you yours. He didn't talk about hallowed be his name. He didn't talk about kingdom come, the power, the glory forever. He didn't talk about daily bread. He immediately knew they didn't get past forgiveness. Because it's easy to be bound when you don't use the key of forgiveness. So, so it's impossible for me to talk about forgiveness without helping us understand how do I forgive. And, and I just want you to understand, there's no, there's no just specific way all of us can forgive. Some of us are going to have to write a letter. Some of us are going to have to have a conversation. Some of us got to go stand at a graveyard. Some of us are going to have to say, I forgive you, but I can't follow you on Facebook no more. I forgive you, but we'll never be married again. Okay? I forgive you, but I'm not going to allow myself to ever get caught back in this trap ever again. But, but, but here, here's one of the things I believe that is the trap of the enemy that everyone falls into. Forgiveness is a decision, not a feeling. I'm going to help you. Forgiveness is not an emotion. Because your emotion is tied to your bitterness. Your emotion is tied to, their, to your offense. Do you hear what I'm saying? Forgiveness is a decision you make. It is not an emotion or a feeling you'll have. The first time you forgave, you will not go, man, I just feel so free now. You're going to, no, I forgive you. Oh, God, I'm merciful. I, for, I forgive you. I forgive you. Well, how do you know? And, and my little sister taught me this lesson. Our dad, our, our dad cheated on our mom. There's a lot of stuff. If you've been here at all, you've probably heard me allude to that. Came out two weeks before we got married. Uh, KB was, was in the throes of it as a younger child. She had to deal with the calamities of it. I was in college, removed a little bit from it. She had to live in it. I'll let her tell her own testimony one day. Somebody came to her because they knew the devastation of what it was to have an absentee father. See, I had, a, I had a Sunday school teacher and a worship leader as a dad. She had none of that. All she had was an adulterer. Same dude, completely different season. I had a Sunday school teacher and a worship leader that backslid. She didn't know the Sunday school teacher. She didn't know the worship leader. All she knew is the dad who was cheating on her mother and now wanted nothing to do with her. Years later, God comes to do something and does significant works. I'll let her tell her story her own, her, her own time. Another lady in our church comes to her one day and says, how do you know you've truly forgiven your dad? She said, when I no longer have to choose to forgive. I choose to forgive every time I think of them. 
and I know that I have forgiven them when they walk into the room and I no longer have to choose to forgive. Do you hear what I'm saying? Some of you need to write a letter. Some of you may have to have a conversation. Some of you may have to go visit a gravesite. Somebody need to pour out a drink, one for you and one for your homies. I don't know what it is that you need to do. Do you understand? Some of y'all didn't get that joke, but those of us that got a testimony, you know what's up. All the holy people are like, what? Is that communion? Just an unholy one, okay? You'll be all right. I can choke it down all I want to, but I'm still tied to them. Not because of what they did, but because I have chosen to not release, throw it away. So if Tim represents my dad, he can be in the grave, which my dad is. And I'm walking around dragging a dead man into my marriage. Dragging a dead man into my bed. Dragging a dead man into my job. Dragging a dead man into other. Listen, y'all, do you know? Come, come, come here close. Do you know how crowded my bed gets when all six of these men climb in with me and my wife? Do you know how crowded my bathroom gets? Do you know how crowded my social media gets? Do you know how crowded it is in my cubicle at my job? Do you know how crowded it is in my daughter's bedroom when I'm trying to pray over her when all of us come in? And do you know what a contradiction it is to preach a freedom to my children when they see me brown to all these other people? Y'all can back back up. Am I helping anybody today? Okay, okay. I, I saw the Holy Spirit said this to me this morning. And, and I about lost, I about tore my office up. Okay? Look at this, verse 2. It would be better for a millstone to be tied around Tim's neck, Chris's neck, Michael's neck, Troy's neck, Renee's neck, Vince's neck, and them thrown into the sea. Well, if he goes into the sea and I'm tied to him, y'all don't hear what I'm saying. If God throws all of them into the sea and drowns them, and I'm still tied with unforgiveness, guess who's drowning too? So I celebrate their death as I'm going down to mine. Oh God. In contrast to verse number six. And if you have the faith of a mustard seed, you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the same sea. In other words, y'all, something's going in the sea. I can allow this to tie me to him, and when he goes, I go. Or I can have enough faith, oh God. 
I can have enough faith in what God is doing in spite of what, see, that's the problem. When you live in unforgiveness, what you're saying is, is I have more faith in the harm you cause than in the God who makes all things work together for good. You didn't hear what I said. When I allow myself to live with unforgiveness, I am saying that I trust the damage they cause more than the God who made me. So, something's going in the sea. And if it's him with a millstone and I'm tied to him, I'm going to. But if I speak to this thing between us, and I say, you know what? You did this to me. You complicated my childhood. You complicated things in my life. I begin to question ministry because of the violation that you had as a minister. But you know what, Dad? I forgive you. If he drowns, it goes into the sea. I don't. Forgiveness, I wrote this this morning, forgiveness does not make you weak. Forgiveness keeps you from drowning in bitterness and resentment. Because I'm more in love with the one who's been working it than the one who's been offended. Okay. So. I let it go. Okay, now now before you get so sanctimonious, let me finish with this. Before you get so holy, so sanctimonious, thinking, man, all these people that did me wrong, well, guess what? You did Jesus wrong. And I did Jesus wrong. And while we were yet offenders, he died for us. And y'all, he went on the cross, and he had seven statements at the cross. Oh, this might be an Easter message right here. The seven statements of the crucifixion. There was one of them. He's hanging on the cross. He's had his beard pulled out of his face. He's had a crown of thorns placed upon his head. He has been completely stripped, completely naked and exposed for the world to see. He has been, with 39 stripes on his back, been ripped open of his flesh to where part of his entrails are beginning to fall out. He has drug a part of that cross down the Via Della Rosa. And they laid him on that cross. And they put nails into his hands. And nails into his feet. And then they raise him up with a sign of mockery over his cross, his death instrument, and it said, here is the king of the Jews. And while all of that was going on, he said, before I die, Father, forgive them. Father, I, I release them. 
because they don't even know what they're doing. Y'all, they didn't ask for forgiveness. They didn't come and repent. They were just ignorant to what they were doing to him. And he said, "Before I, I don't even need them to ask. But because of their ignorance, they've done this to me. Forgive them. They don't have a clue. They don't, your father may not have had a clue of what he was doing. Your mother may not have had a clue of what, and your friend may never come and apologize to you. But you got to have enough trust in God to release them because they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what they're doing. They don't have a clue. They don't have a clue. So, you know what happens. I release them. And all of a sudden, they show back up on Facebook. They, they no, 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 I forgive you the first time, I'm going to forgive you the second time. I got to forgive. Colossians 3 says forgive them quickly. Before you can ever tie, a, no, 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 I'm already forgiving you. I'm not, no. You can try it all you want to. You can keep trying to bind me to you and bind it. No, no, I forgive you quickly. I'm shutting this door. I don't care how far you go. I don't care how many times you show. It may take us 30 years, but you are not going to tie me to this thing. I'm forgiving you. I'm releasing you. I'm releasing me. I'm walking in the freedom that has been afforded because I'm not going down. It's the key of forgiveness. Ah. If you have the faith of a grain of a mustard seed, throw up verse 6 for me, Nick. You can speak to that mulberry bush and say, be thrown by the roots. Look at this. Oh, God, have mercy. This is Holy Ghost release for somebody. You ready? Watch this. And it would obey you. In other words, when I'm walking in forgiveness, that thing does not control me, I control it. I, resentment doesn't control me, I control it. Bitterness doesn't walk in control over my life. I walk in the freedom that has, so today we release them so that God can release the windows of blessing. We release them so that God can release the windows of blessing. We really, I forgive so that I can be free. So that I can be free. So that I can be free. Stand with me all over the room. I'm coming after your six-year-old self today. Now, you've been trying to praise your way into victory. You forgive your way into this blessing. There is a window of heaven that is about to be unlocked in your life when you allow forgiveness to be the ruler. Huh. There is a never again that is going to be poured out to you. Not because you figured out how to praise, but God has helped you to understand that I must forgive. Slip your hands and worship all over this room. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Huh? Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. I come against the spirit of offense. I come against the seed of bitterness, the root of bitterness, the root of resentment. 
come against it in the name of Jesus. I say the Lord rebuke you. We speak to that root. We speak to that tree. We speak to that offense. And we say be removed and cast into the sea. worship, just worship all over the room, just worship, just worship, just worship, I'm giving you the key to the kingdom, I'm giving you a key of the kingdom, you got to throw it aside, whatever you got to do to get free from that, you got to get free from that. Fifteen years of youth ministry taught me that forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook. It lets you off of their hook. I'm telling you, forgiveness doesn't let them off the hook for what they did. It lets you off of that hook. You are no longer tied to it. When you forgive, you're throwing it aside. You're throwing it aside. Now, it took me 10 years of pastoring to figure this one out. Do you know what bitterness is? Bitterness is you drinking poison hoping somebody else dies. Did you hear what I said? Bitterness is you drinking poison hoping somebody, hoping your dad dies. You drinking poison hoping your family member dies. You drinking poison hoping your boss dies. You drinking poison hoping your fellow employee dies. You drinking poison hoping your broken spouse dies. You're the one ingesting the poison. Release it. Oh, I don't know who that's for. Your child has wounded you deeply. Close your eyes all over the room. Close your eyes all over the room. And they're old enough to know better now. And you love them, but you can't forgive them. Today, you got to release that. Shut up, Babo. Say, hey, you got to release that. You got to re- you got to cut the tie to that. They're old enough to know better, but they keep. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, because they continually blame you for their own sin and dysfunction. Today's the day to release that. Forgive until it's no longer a choice. I don't care how you feel emotionally. You do not walk by emotions. You walk by faith. Let faith override your feelings today. Well, they didn't repent. So what? It's not about them. It's about you walking in your freedom. And you cannot be free without forgiving. To the degree... You forgive. That is the degree that you can be forgiven. Oh, just slip up your hands and worship the king all over. This is a loving father. This is not a corrective message today. 
There's hope. Some of you have been frustrated because you've been praising like nobody's business. You've been praying like nobody's business. You've just been at the, the right door using the wrong key today. You've been at the right door, but you've been using the wrong key. And God's given you the key to your victory, your freedom, your blessing. Just honor him. Just honor him. Just honor him. In the name of Jesus, we renounce every seed of bitterness. In the name of Jesus, we renounce every seed of resentment. We kick every violator of our lives, even of our childhoods, out of our lives today. We we renounce the tie of offense. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening today. Oh, man, this has been so good. This has been so, this is so right. I just feel the presence of God in this moment. So here's what I ask. Oh, God, there are some of you, I just saw Alicia. There are some of you that are physically sick. Your body is making manifestations of unforgiveness. God have mercy. There are, oh God, there are chronic sicknesses that you've been walking in and the doctors can't pinpoint what it is. And it's unforgiveness that is manifested even in your body. Some of you are walking in chronic sickness because you won't release. Today, we really, slip up your hands like you're free. Father, open the windows of heaven. We forgive as you have forgiven us. We forgive those who have trespassed against us today. Give us the courage to forgive. Give us the courage to walk in forgiveness. Give us the courage to speak and release that. Speak, Lord, however we need to create it. Whether, oh God, have mercy. I pray, Spirit of the living God, that you would purify our hearts today. Take the coal off the altar and purify our lips today, oh God. We ask it in Jesus' name. If you got any praise left, give it to him all over this room. Give it to him all over this room.